Yeah, well, good morning to this week's news from the drug war front. A bit more independence and diversity, as the <laughs> promo just said, Marion. Good morning to you, Nash. Good morning, Jeffrey. Welcome back from uh, Melbourne and the Harm Reduction Conference. I- indeed, yeah. Freezing morning, everybody. Good morning, my darlings. Stay in bed. If you've already got your coffee, good for you. Stay in bed and listen to news from the drug war front. We've got some interesting stuff for you today. A lot of stuff about the Harm Reduction Conference, which is really fundamental yeah. uh, in terms of presenting <sighs> peer education to the world, if you like. Um, it's tradition, really, the Harm Reduction Conference now. Maybe it's changed in nature, but we've got some fabulous stuff, particularly Jeffrey's got a great article from a woman from Singapore yeah, well, that Chris, we're going to do. Chris um, alerted me to the fact that a, a, a group of Southeast Asian journalists made an effort to come up um, to Canberra to do site visits at, at Karma and also at the Cantest um, site. Which is, which is a great thing to have done because that's actually going out of your way, really, to come to Canberra to do that. Uh, how long did they stay in Canberra for, Jeff? I'm not sure of the actual time frame. So it must have been at least a couple of days. I'm, look, I have to have to chase that the exact hours up, but the fact that she's actually written and About lives it, in Singapore, yeah. where they're still tough on drugs. I mean, someone was executed oh, for yeah, an ounce of cannabis. Very you know. tough on drugs. Um, it, very important for yeah. her, her to see, you know, harm reduction. And we'll actually do we'll present some of that article too. Actually, all of it all because of, I think it's all a of it. really good article, and it. Because we don't know so much about Singapore, we don't hear a lot from them except the, the disastrous stuff. Yep. We can see how it reflects um, Kirsten, yeah. who was the woman who um, wrote the article yep. for the harm reduction for the drug users movement in Singapore. So I'm really looking forward to that. I'm really looking forward to the, the show today. It's been, wow, I've missed it. Yeah. It's yeah. <laughs> been three weeks, so welcome back. Well, look, Karma did really well at the conference. Like um, Chris spoke, Mitch spoke about Cantess, Chris spoke about Karma, Dave spoke about the Naloxone program. I did a little sum- summary about the integrated um, services uh, yeah. approach to Karma. You know, as many things under one roof and yeah. make it um, relaxing and non judgmental and. Um, no, I, you know, your, your paper looks great, and and yeah, there's not much point in in standing there and you know just um, making a speech and then putting what you're saying up on on the board behind you or on the you're so right behind you. It's silly. So having photos or having pictures to go along with what you're saying to actually indicate to people this is what it looks like when you're doing integrated services. This is how we we operate. That's, no, it looked like a really good paper, Jeffrey. I'm really pleased to Well, I showed you the that images that Natasha put together for me um, that shows the range of things, including, remember the march on the, oh, the 16 march, Days of yeah. Action? And, you know, there's been some really great, Oh, yeah, no, look, it's it's well worth talking about, Geoffrey. Integrated services are really important. It's taken such a long time for alcohol and drug services to fund um, peer education organisations. A long time. Because the only reason for their existence in the first place was to stop the spread of HIV from injecting drug users to the wider community, really, and then hepatitis C to the wider community, rather than to cure people of hepatitis C and have them back within the community and and the the integrated services allow people who use drugs to access mainstream services 
via karma. Yeah. And, and that's a really innovative approach. It's really worth looking at. And I didn't realise until I thought about it for a while, Geoffrey, that it is innovative, you know. It is novel. Um, and drug use, well, drug and alcohol organisations look were always funded as treatment organisations. Yes. Would never accept drug users as themselves. Exactly. Or make them feel good about you know, themselves, right. self-stigma. Yeah. And I mean, it's and when you just take it for granted, or when it is taken for granted that drug use is part of your character, not all of it, just part of what you are yeah. and what you do, despite the fact that it may take 24 hours to maintain, the fact is that we... It's coming to the surface, everything coming to the surface. People need to come out, yeah. be counted, be seen and be attended to as human beings. And have people look at drug use as just a part of somebody's and, overall life. And see that they've got talent yeah. and they've got a life beyond drug use. Exactly. And it would be so much better if we could just make sure that the integration of services was the norm. Yeah. Not innovative, not novel, not not something out of the box, but something that ought to have been done Should fifty have been, years exactly. ago. Yeah. Should have been right from the get-go. Instead of no, this is wrong. Deal with people who are judgmental about it. Yeah, sure, that's fine. Go to a support group and get over it. Yeah? Go and talk about it. Because I think that is important. People who worry about people about their Kids with addictions, sure, that's fine. Absolutely. Find yourself a support group and there are support groups there for are. that. But just accept the fact that we use drugs and always will. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody will always be there using drugs. They'll say, No, they're not there, they don't exist and they said that in the ACT for a very long time. Yeah. Until, you know, nineteen eighty when we stood up and said, Nah, sorry. You know, we've got to do it. HIV and nothing else, yeah. HIV prevention. So stop needle sharing. Yeah. yeah Let, for let's, kick off. Let's accept reality. Yep. Yep. Get okay. on the ground. Just uh, for those who aren't um, aware of the show, News from the Drug War Front is brought to you by Karma, the Canberra Alliance for Harm Minimisation and Advocacy and The Connection, which is Canberra's peer-based drug and alcohol service for First Nations people. Um, we, of course, um, promote the broad array of services provided by Karma, which we've just been doing, but we also do report on stories relevant to illicit drug users um, from across Australia and also the world. Um, and we're hoping to promote discussion and thought and educating people to think critically about um, whether continuous prohibition is the way to go or um, we can find more innovative ways of dealing with problematic use. Absolutely. I mean, that, I mean that's the sensible approach, isn't it? I would have thought so. Jeff, you've lost my bloody piece of paper. Oh, there it is. Okay. That's your piece of paper, though. That's all right. It's just um, a list of some of the upcoming things this week. Absolutely. Look, karma is... At Karma, we believe that people who use drugs should be treated with dignity and respect, both as human beings and as consumer and social services, and of health and social services. Karma works to reduce the discrimination and stigma experienced by drug users. And Karma also speaks for our community's uh, equal rights by, by progressing drug law reform agendas. I just want to give you a rundown of what's happening um, in the next week or so, uh, there's a um, an training group um, 
at uh, the early morning centre on uh, Northbourne Avenue. Which is today. today at two o'clock. I, yeah. I didn't realise, you know, it's the yeah, first Tuesday of every the, month. Well, well, we're just saying that. <laughs> here am I wondering why there was a May Day parade yesterday. <laughs> it's because it's May 2nd today. Yeah, that was just so impressive, wasn't it? First Tuesday, first Tuesday of the month. So it's that unfortunately Dave won't be there, but Damo will be there, I imagine, doing the um, training. Um, Dave will be there. Dave will be yeah. there. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought said so Dave wasn't going to be there. I beg your pardon. Sorry, Dave. Didn't mean to be. Yeah, I think Dave is he's cook today, but Dave, Dave oh, will be Dave there. Dave is cook. Dave okay. will be at early I morning. I thought you said so. Dave. Okay, the training's on at two o'clock this afternoon. If you haven't booked in yet, um, ring up and find out if there's a space for you. Um, six two five three five. No, six two five three. Three six four three. Three six four three. I usually remember that. Quick as Jeff, um, that's okay. That's where Karma is, but that's also the contact number for Dave this morning. If you want to get your name um, on the list, or, or ju- you need to be booked in for a place, or book in for next month's yeah, just training. Find out when the next uh, bookings are available. Yeah. That's right. It's usually the first Tuesday of every month at the early morning centre, but there are other places with yeah. other venues where they do it. Um, so that's the Uniting Care. Early Morning Centre, 69 Northbourne Avenue, Canberra. And you could also ring them and uh, ask Nicole if she can uh, book you in if you can't get on to Je- today, brother. Um, there's uh, Oaks Estate Community Barbecue um, for f- with free food and drink available, no looks on training kits. That's uh, not today, though. Uh, Karma Clinic, the drop-in centre at, at Karma's premises, Karma and the Connection premises, 1754 Benjamin Way, Unit 17, number 54 Benjamin Way, Belconnen, um, in the ACT, drop-in visits to nurse and doctor, sexual health clinics, referrals to other healthcare services that require referral, bloodborne virus treatment, uh, hepatitis C treatment, the um, Reach Teach Treat program is still going, um, but you can get your uh, hepatitis uh, drugs for free through the Hepatitis Council. And the but, test and is pinprick now. Not they're doing pinpricks test instead of, ha- which is fabulous. Much easier. And then you can find out what kind of hepatitis C you've got. And uh, then and get it treated yeah, for the free. Yeah, treatments are wonderful. Yeah, the treatments are fabulous. I yeah. mean, it's just lovely to know that that people with hepatitis C can have their hepatitis cured. Cured, and that's a fundamental premise that we should not overlook. This how special it is. It's fantastic. Because we never thought that would happen. Didn't no. happen with HIV. No, no, and but. That's great. Anyway, the hepatitis C treatment, hepatitis C vaccinations, COVID vaccinations and boosted boosters, uh, methadone, buprenorphine and buprenorphine treatment, blood tests and support letters if you're uh, if you are um, if you've been attending regularly. So that's at Oaks Estate um, Community Barbecue, the Karma Clinic. I've said a bit about that. That's on, uh, is that on Thursdays? Thursday. And it's really important because you don't have to make an appointment. No, it's, it's non judgmental. 10.30 to 2.30 on Thursday. 10 till 2 thereabouts. I think they've well, gone back to. It does say 10.30 to okay. 2 on here. I, I thought it was 10, to, but it might, they just might need the extra half an hour to get set up, Jeffrey. Yeah, but definitely on Thursday. Yep. Then there's Rich Teach Treat. 
Thrive, a hepatitis testing clinic at the Karma Drop-In Centre at Benjamin Way in Belconnen. Um, and then you can get tested with pinprick test yep. for your hepatitis C and get treated for it. The, the fingertip, it's non-invasive. And the thing about um, getting your blood tested is that, for, particularly for injectors, is trying to find a vein is hard enough anyway. Exactly. Um, Karma also has a vein finder. So oh. it's just really important that we um, tell uh, customers that, tell listeners that. If you go into uh, Karma or if you get in touch with Karma, six two five three three six four three, find out when you can go in and have your arms or have your body looked at to find a, um, Functioning a functional vein. vein yeah. yeah, it's I really important. I think you need to make an appointment for, for venoscope testing. Okay, um, well then, but it's a great piece of kit. Yeah. Oh, look, it's a fabulous innovation, and it's about time it happened. Uh, Hawker Community Barbecue. Yep. I guess we've got a lot of outreach, a lot of barbecues. Oaks Estate Barbecue, Karma Clinic. I did that. Yep. Did they reach? No, that's just the, another page of the same yeah. thing. So there's plenty of stuff to do. The Jude Burn Support Group is on too. We need to remember and do that. Get in touch with Monica um, and find out when the uh, next one's on. Again, that's on six two five three three six four three. Yeah, I think Louise is the one to get in touch with on that. Oh, is at that the right? Moment. Yeah. Okay. Um, um, naloxone training tomorrow. You yes, said that. Today. Today, uh, at two o'clock. Yep. And yep, that's, that's it for that's my a bit. Bit of an insight into the range of services There's that we so we're talking much about. Happening. You know, it's it's becoming almost half of the program <laughs> to actually say how much Karma's doing. With the number of workers that it has, it's phenomenal. Under one roof. Yeah, and really such a lot to give to the community. So get in touch with Karma and find out what they can do for you. You can ha- you can talk to people over the phone. Yeah, or and drop just, in. And, or drop in and see them. It's um, easy to make an appointment. Indeed. All right, uh, this news from the Drug Warfront um, uh, report. Uh, discusses news stories relevant to drug users from Australia around the world. Of course, many of the articles featured come from other sources, including mainstream media, and the contents of this broadcast slash podcast do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Karma and the Connection. Karma does not condone nor condemn drug use, and we do not promote illegal activity. However, we do recognise that drug use happens and will continue to happen regardless of laws and United Nations conventions. As such, Karma focuses on harm reduction messages, drug treatment support services, advocacy and community development, as Marion's just gone through. We seek to reduce the harms associated with drug use and its criminalisation through the provision of programs that foster community development and the delivery of person-centred holistic health care. And Karma advocates for equity of health service delivery for all people. All right, we'll go to a song. Uh, don't think I've ever played Depeche Mode on, on the radio show, but um, this is Depeche Mode and uh, Personal Jesus. Reach out, touch faith.
That was Depeche Mode and Personal Jesus. Yeah, and who would have thunk? Yeah, yeah. who would have thunk that something somebody groovy like Depeche Mode would write something like Personal Jesus? I took me along. I was staggered when I yeah. realised they'd written it. But. <laughs> and I was just saying to Jeffrey before we went to that one, that another album that he's got there by Depeche Mode because I think he probably bought the whole store out of Depeche Mode. Um, so we could find Personal Jesus. Another song from one of their other albums is I Just Can't Get Enough, which I think throws that song into a whole different light, Jeffrey. Indeed. Yeah, because I thought it was about sex. Apparently not. It could well be about just about anything, drugs even. It could be. Who knows? Let's do this thing about Ty. We've got another... um, Story of um, yes a pre- presentation at the conference, but from a, a Thai uh, users network, which called. is really good to hear about. Yeah, you know, well, because good. I'm, I'm so pleased with what you brought back, Jeffrey. I'm just gobsmacked with all the stuff we've got here. So let's get into well, the Thai one positive first. Positive stuff from that part of the world. Yeah, and great. then we can do Singapore after, after the, the news, news as yep. we were speaking, talking yep. about. Yep. Okay, Thai, Thai Users Network uh, presented a harm reduction program called Mobile Methadone Therapy for Drug Users at the International Conference 2023, HR23, in Melbourne. According to Johns Hopkins University, harm reduction aims to promote the health or protect the health of those who use drugs by providing necessary services and resources. Nilawan Pitak Panawong, a well Thai... Done. Drug, yeah, that's not bad effort. <laughs> Good for you. A Thai drug users network uh, activist discussed the importance of harm reduction in preventing drug-related deaths and ensuring healthcare access, social services and treatment. Uh, Mobile metho- methadone therapy launched last year in Chiang Mai's Fang district, offering, offering methadone to drug users in remote villages. Which is a really good idea, a that's, great idea up at that, because that's up, up in the northern take area. Take the services. Yeah? To Chiang Mai, Chiang Rai, around the border areas where you wouldn't expect services to be provided. expect to find anything. Right? Yeah. Health officials visited communities to provide locals with, with the service, aiming to improve treatment access, particularly for those unable to visit hospitals. In the previous year, 118 individuals received free methadone treatment from government health services, with 80% belonging to ethnic groups. That's even better. Yep. Users reported a reduction in injections per day due to this treatment, leading to improved health, finances and family life. That's great. Northern Thailand shares its border with Myanmar and houses a number of ethnic communities where opium use is uh, prevalent. However, accessing continuous methadone treatment is very challenging. 
due to ge- geographic distances, poverty and lack of transportation. Mm, indeed. The uh, Thai Drug Users Network isn't the only organisation promoting harm reduction. Ankana Kantapapa, Deputy Director of the Ozone Foundation from Nontaburi, introduced the Needles and Syringes Service Directory model during the COVID-19 pandemic to ensure the safety of drug users. Clan injecting equipment, natal syringes and condoms were delivered via the Thai postal system upon request. What a great from, idea. Yeah. From July the 1st, 2020 to August 31st of that year, the program had 301 recipients and delivered 8,060 sets of clan needles and syringes. The Ozone Foundation works to facilitate substantial, sustainable community-based delivery, expanding health services access for drug users in Thailand regarding HIV and other health issues. Activists from the Thai Drug Users Network and the Ozone Foundation joined other professionals at the Harm Reduction 23 conference promoting harm reduction initiatives and fostering global collection. That just sounds fabulous. It's really good to hear that while they have a drug users network, they also have support from other organisations. And they're thinking and outside government. the box too. Like. Absolutely. And n- not something that I think we probably would have expected in Thailand, but it's so good to hear. And this is the beauty of harm reduction yeah. conferences when you bring drug user networks together in a non judgmental space like. The Harm Reduction Conference. Good things can happen. Great things can happen. And the ideas that can be exchanged, just the novelty, it's great. It's awesome. All right, before we go to the news, uh, I'll play a song. This is the uh, classic Mose Allison and Parchment Farm. Sitting over here on Parchment Farm Well I'm sitting over here on Parchment Farm Well I'm sitting over here on Parchment Farm And I ain't never done no man no harm Putting that cotton in an 11-foot sack Well, I'm putting that cotton in an 11-foot sack Well, I'm putting that cotton in an 11-foot sack With a 12-gauge shotgun at my back Thank you. 
sitting over here on number nine. I'm sitting over here on number nine. Well, I'm sitting over here on number nine, and all I did was drink my wine. All right, that was Mose Ellison yeah. and uh, his classic Parchment Farm. Yeah, well, he's going to be here for the rest of his life, and all he did was shoot his wife. That's well, right. Hey, ain't that the story of women's lives? It's, it's a classic. Well, we've got the national news coming up. We shall return uh, in about four minutes. Forthwith. Yeah, well said. 2XX uh, is supported by uh, volunteers, um, whether they join as a listener supporter or volunteer some time, produce the show, um, whatever, get involved in the technical side. Um, it's a, a great community asset and our show's been on it for Absolutely. Ma- many, many years. So. That's right. And it's look, it's a personal voice, really, when you think about it. It is... It is our voice. It's our way of expressing, getting out to Canberra community stuff that we want them to think about. Exactly. And we want them to know too because karma is there for you to use. Indeed. If we didn't have 2XX, you probably wouldn't, wouldn't have heard message. about it yeah. over the radio. All right, we'll get to this, um, what I, I believe to be a very important story uh, that came um, as, out as part of the conference that was recently held in Melbourne. It's by Kirsten Han, a journalist from Singapore, and it's entitled, uh, What If There Was Less Judgment and More Care? Uh, Greetings from Melbourne. I'm in Australia this week. Um, So it was obviously um, last two weeks ago. ago. I'm in Australia this week for the Harm Reduction International Conference focused on drug use, drug policy, harm reduction and human rights. I'm here as both a media scholar and a delegate going on site visits with five other Southeast Asian journalists and also speaking at a plenary and a high-level side event on the death penalty for drugs. I am one of two representatives from the Transformative Justice Collective in Singapore and we're looking forward to learning about harm reduction principles, uh, research and practices from around the world. Yesterday was a long day but very fulfilling. We spent the day in Canberra visiting the Canberra Alliance for Harm Minimisation and Advocacy, CARMA, and also CanTest Health and Drug Checking Service, run by Directions Health Services in partnership with Pill Testing Australia, the Australian National University and CARMA. They're funded by the Australian Government, both the Australian Capital Territory Government and the Federal Government, and are engaged in harm reduction work, offering a range of different services to people who use drugs in Canberra. At CARMA, for instance, people who use um, drugs uh, on weekdays can come in and have some free tea or coffee, um, maybe chat with peer support workers. Uh, it's a non-judgmental space. Um, 
the staff themselves have lived experience of drug use, harm reduction and treatment. And the idea is to create a space that is safe and welcoming, a shelter from the stigma and marginalisation that people who use drugs already face in their everyday lives. The care is unconditional. People who dropped in are accepted for who they are. Karma provides an integrated harm reduction approach. People can have access to healthcare counselling, peer support and other harm reduction measures, like providing information about safer ways to use drugs. Remember, this is coming from Singapore, where they have a very judgmental approach. So this stuff is novel to them. And it's really great to hear, read. There's no insistence on abstinence from drugs if or when people are ready and decide that they want to seek treatment or to stop using drugs. Karma has lots of resources to help them achieve their goals. They can refer them to medical professionals, set them up for substitution treatment, or even refer them to inpatient rehab centres if that's what they want. If the in-house doctor isn't around, they're only there once a week, Karma can help book an appointment with another doctor and even drive that person to the clinic and accompany them throughout. So they're supported every step of the way. Um, Cantes provides a different, yes, yet no less vital service. They do pill testing, which is when people bring in, drug, bring in drugs to get checked. Using the sophisticated equipment they have on site, Cantes can analyse a sample of the drug and find out its components. So users can find out if the substance has been cut with anything toxic or dangerous and also check on its purity. This information allows people to have more control over their drug use to help them use more safely. When they know how potent the drug is, they make better decisions about how much to take and thus avoid accidental overdoses. If the drug is found to contain really dangerous component, most of the time people opt to discard the drug once they find this out. Providing such information is much better than leaving people to their own devices to consume whatever they've been able to get their hands on, which is a good point. That's a fantastic point. There's great public health value to all this too. With pill testing or drug testing, CanTest is collecting vital information that can shed light on the local drug market and get a better idea of what's circulating among drug users in Canberra. If they find anything really dangerous, they can also put out alerts to the community so people know to be careful. Yeah, another absolutely crucial part of... Indeed. And remember, this woman is arguing to promote services to basically a group or a society that is very judgmental it's about user yeah. support services. So yep. it's an excellent article, yeah. really well written. Absolutely. The information collected can also be shared with other harm reduction and drug checking centres around the world. So all, all of the data gets put together to provide a more informed view of global drug trends. An example, the US has lots to worry about fentanyl use, but CanTest says they, they've not actually uh, picked up fent much fentanyl, suggesting that it isn't a substance that's taken hold in Australia, well, certainly Yet. so far. Underpinning all of this is a people-centric approach that recognises that everyone has bodily agency and the right to make their own decisions. People can have different relationships with drugs in the same way people have different experiences with alcohol or tobacco or nicotine, and not everyone has a harmful dependence on substances. And even if they do, arrest, coercion or compulsory detention certainly are not the way to go. The focus is not on forcing everyone to do certain things or behave in certain ways, but to minimise harm 
by reducing deaths and maintaining heart, uh, health and well-being as much as possible. While visiting Carmen Cantes felt like walking into a different world from Singapore, where we continue to tout, quote, a zero-tolerance drug policy based on criminalisation and punishment, anything less than rejection is seen as, quote, enabling or encouraging drug use. There's little distinction between the different points on the spectrum of drug use. Everyone is seen as, quote, a drug abuser or an addict, regardless of their personal relationship with drugs. There's very little notion of respecting choice and managing one's use. Abstinence is the only way, and if one fails to live up to that goal, well, there's just more surveillance and punishment and shame. There's no space for people who use drugs to talk about their stories or experiences unless they're narrating things that fit with the dominant narrative about abstinence and overcoming individualised failings. Government policy and ideology is prioritised over lived experience. Whilst at Karma, we spoke to a young man attending university in Canberra who uses Cantest services. He doesn't see himself as dependent on any substance. Instead, he sees himself as a recreational user who takes ketamine or MDMA only if he attends parties or music festivals. Since the testing service is available, he brings the drugs he's bought, brought, bought to Cantest ahead of a party to check the contents of the substance and get information that helps him figure out how much he wants to take so that he doesn't end up consuming more than he intended. He told us that access to such harm reduction measures hasn't increased his substance use, it's just made him better equipped to make decisions and to feel safe and also look out for the friends around him. Apart from these occasional parties and concerts, he goes about his life as a university student walking, uh, working his way towards graduation. Wow. Learning all this makes me think of people like Naziri bin Lajim, who was executed for drug offences last July at the age of 64. When I spoke to his sister, she told me that his run-ins with law enforcement and time in prison had made him feel like the trash of society, filling him with shame and low self-esteem. As the staff at Karma and Cantest talked us through their work... I wondered how different things would have been for Naziri if he'd been able to access such services instead of shutting or shuttling in and out of prison. What if, instead of penalties that cause stress and trauma and alienation, he'd been able to join a community that didn't judge and work to keep him as safe as they could, allowing him to set his own goals about where he wanted to be in life? What if the focus had been on building a network of care and addressing the trauma and issues underlying his drug use? It's hard to predict with certainty how Naziri's life would have turned out if he'd had, a, had access to harm reduction services, but he would, at the very least, be alive and have a network to help him work towards his goals and his well-being, for his well-being. During our site visits yesterday, there were comments about how there's still a long way for Australia to go, how there are other countries leading the way for Australia to catch up to. Singapore is even further behind, and it made me both sad and angry to think about how people who use drugs are treated in our country. But it also gives me hope to see what's available, to help us imagine better, a better, more caring future to work towards. It's just up. What a brilliant! It is a great article, and I'm so, I'm so pleased to read it. A sad ending, 
um, well, to hear about that poor guy year that old died. Fella. Yeah, that's just... how long must he have been using drugs, Jeffrey? Yeah, and been shuttled in and out of prison during that time. And what good comes to society of being executed? Yeah, it's um. No, no, I think that's a really important thing to have come out of the the whole conference. Conference, yeah. yeah. Not look at it. We we speak about this every week, but and yes, we feel like we're you know a long way behind, but oh, yeah. we're not Singapore compared to Singapore. <laughs> but I'm really pleased that that's been uh, produced and at least it can be made available over the internet, even if there's no uh, hard copy that's available uh, for the whole of the Singaporean community to get. But yeah, I'm really pleased to say that. And I'm pleased that they got to visit um, Canberra yeah, as well and see too. what was going on. I bet they had a look at the um, injecting rooms in Melbourne, in Victoria, yeah. I should think. I yeah. would imagine. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. I, I just noticed there's a comment um, to her piece from the Transformative Justice Collective that says many people think about harm reduction in the context of drugs and it's also been portrayed as enabling drug use. But in reality, harm reduction is rooted in care, dignity and autonomy and is life-saving in many instances. So oh, that's yes, I'm sorry. There were other people. There were related posts. The first execution notice of 2023 on the 19th of April, Tangaroo's um, Sapia and his family were informed that his hanging had been scheduled for the 26th of April. So that wow. was last week. Um, and then, yeah, hashtag at Yes. It's just horrendous, isn't it? But Temperate and dignified. Thoughts on anger, power, imbalances, radical rudeness and demands for civility in the Singaporean context. It's this is These are responses it's to a, the Citizens Newsletter. It's just the Lee's family high, highly politicised drama um, that started as a private family quarrel about Lee Kuan Yew's house has woven itself into the fabric of Singapore politics and grown increasingly partisan. It should prompt us to reflect on power in this country. So that sounds rather like it was a kind of a political Yeah, well, thing. look at Duterte you know, in the Philippines. It's been used... And for- isn't drug use a political issue? In many countries, yeah, yeah. fundamentally, yeah. well, even in Australia, yeah, it's about personal agency, and if that's not political, what is? Yeah, yeah? exactly. All right, I might play a song. This is uh, an old one as well. It's David Essex, and this was actually a bit of a hit for him. Rock uh, on. Yeah, sure was. Which is a 
That was David Essex and uh, Rock On. That was an oldie but a goodie. Yeah, I haven't heard that in a long time. Yeah. Uh, Okay, it's about 20 minutes after 11. You're with Jeff and Marion in uh, Studio One of 2XX. News from the Drug War Front. News from the Drug War Front, 98.3 FM. We've got a piece, um, people uh, who know Melbourne will know that there has been, uh, since 2018, a safe injecting room. Uh, took a long time for a second one to be built after the King's Cross one had been open for 20 years. But anyway... Um, there's a piece about it. Yeah, the injecting rooms cut crime, overdoses, abscesses. The study uh, by and this is so. This is the study says that this is by Cassandra Morgan, AAP, April the eighteenth. So I'm going to start this one. Drug users who are medically supervised injecting room are far less likely than other users to commit a crime, inject in public, overdose, share needles, or have abscesses. A study shows. The results were garnered through the first control study of injecting rooms, which compared two groups of drug users who either did or didn't use the facilities in the French cities of Paris and Strasbourg. The findings supported injecting rooms as public health no-brainers. Harm Reduction International Executive Director Naomi Berkshine said, quote, the irony of the profound failure of the war on drugs is that it's actually driven the illicit production of more and more substances and has led to more toxic drug supply, Ms Berkshine said. In order to save lives, she goes on, we must offer overdose prevention and supervised spaces for people injecting drugs, together with pure testing, to understand the potency, adulteration or toxicity of a substance. 
quote we must also offer medically supervised injection rooms, the medicine nonoxone to reverse overdoses and drug checking technology work. Um, the study's results were on Tuesday. I'm just going to keep on going. The study's results were on Tuesday. Un- uh, were on Tuesday unveiled at the Melbourne-based Harm Reduction International Conference as the Victorian government considers whether to approve a second medically supervised supervised injecting room in the city's CBD centre, Central Business District. The government in March announced a facility at North Richmond in inner Melbourne, would continue to operate indefinitely after a controversial trial that divided divided locals. The Andrews government opened the supervised injecting room at North Richmond in June 2018 as part of a two-year trial. As of March, there were 50 heroin-related deaths in the local area in the 42 months since the facility opened, down from 68 deaths during the preceding 42 months. Ms Berkshire said the more more medically supervised injecting rooms in Australia and abroad were inevitable. No one should die of an overdose. So I'm taking it that the 50 heroin-related deaths were in the local area, were not in the safe injecting room. Hasn't been a single fatality. Yeah, that's uh, th- so that's unclear in this article, yeah. Jeffrey. That's a problem with that. Um, medically super inv- supervised injecting facilities, also called drug consumption rooms, are used officially in 16 countries, including Switzerland, the Netherlands, Germany, Denmark, Spain, Canada and Australia. Results from another New York-based control study are expected in the first half of this year. A separate US-based study also presented at the Melbourne conference showed people were increasingly using fentanyl and gaining tolerance to the drug despite having a preference for heroin. More than a 1,000 delegates have come together to share the latest research on best practice in drug policy, harm reduction and human rights. And in another piece, uh, the chair of the Global Commission on Drug Policy and former Prime Minister of New Zealand, uh, Helen Clark, said uh, she went further pushing for decriminalisation, saying drug prohibition had been a, quote, societal, economic and moral failure. Where countries have decriminalised use of drugs, the sky has not fallen in. Helen Clark told the Harm Reduction Conference, drug use continues to grow around the world. Millions of people are in prison for drug use and millions more are unnecessarily contracting HIV, hepatitis C because of lack of access to effective harm reduction measures. So there's a lot of pressure being put on the Andrews government to get on with... They've bought the space for $40 million in the CBD. Really? For a second... Um, so it's just a matter of getting just a matter of get, doing it, getting it over the line. Yeah, um, and there's always local traders that'll complain, and the Murdoch media will say never been a, an action without a counter, counter, you know, a counteraction or a reaction. Yeah, Ex- exactly. Might play a quick song, and then we'll get on to this uh, American story, um, which is very interesting. This is a beautiful song. It's Percy Sledge, When a Man lo- when a man Loves a Woman. Yeah, well, that makes up for the most <laughs> one where he it, shot his wife. It does, Because yeah. he was in for the rest this of his life. This is a lot more beautiful, yeah. Absolutely.
Percy Sledge. What a beautiful song. It is a gorgeous song, and it's nice to see that he didn't shoot his wife. No. But it does say when he loves a woman and she's a good-looking woman, he's got to keep an eye on his friends. Yeah. And that's... There's, uh, I guess there's some truth in that. All right, it's about 29 minutes after 11. You're listening to news from the drug war front, and we have a story from the US, so we'll step away Here from the go. conference and go overseas. Yes, we're going back to look, uh, talking about um, differences in perspective. Biden authorises military to call up reservists to combat drug trafficking at the southern border. This is by Bethany Blankey, Blankley, sorry, thecentersquare.com, April the 28th. This is phenomenal. President Joe Biden issued an executive order authorising active duty armed forces reservists to be called up to address, quote, international drug trafficking at the southern border. That's of the United States. Biden issued the order under the National Emergencies Act and in furtherance of an executive order he issued on December the 15th, 2021, quote, imposing sanctions on foreign persons involved in the global illicit drug trade, (laughs) end quote, that executive order, quote, declared a national emergency to address address the unusual and extraordinary threat that the national security, foreign policy and economy of the United States posed by international drug trafficking. The latest executive order issued on Thursday, so this is April the 28th, that's Thursday is like last Thursday, um, authorises the Defence Secretary, quote, to respond to the national emergency. It directs the security secretaries of the Army, Navy and Air Force to call up active duty reservists who would likely be sent to the southern border. The order also authorises the Department of Homeland Security Secretary to direct the Coast Guard to call up active duty reservist guard. It's just crazy stuff, isn't it? It is, man. In a subsequent letter to the Congress, Biden wrote, effective April 27th, he was, quote, organising the Secretary of Defence, the Secretary of Homeland Security, to order active duty such units and individual members of the Ready Reserve under the jurisdiction of the Secretary concerned as, quote, considers necessary, as each, quote, considers necessary. Calling up the reserves, quoting again, will ensure the Department of Defence can properly sustain its support of the Department of Homeland Security concerning international drug trafficking along the southwest border, he wrote. He did so two years after the Texas Governor, Greg Abbott, directed Texas Army and Air National Guard to the southern border through the state's border security mission, Operation Lone Star, which launched in March 2021. Texas has taken the lead on securing the border, doing the job the federal government has refused to do, Abbott maintains. Look, this is getting out of hand. Um, Oh, this is crazy stuff. I was reading another piece where certain Republican lawmakers are saying, we don't trust the Mexican government, that those fentanyl labs are down across the border. If they don't, you know, bust them, we'll we'll send the military in and blow those labs up. And now they're talking about the ready reserves. It's just crazy. They're just, yeah, they are crazy. Um, Yeah, it goes on to say, um, 
You, Biden sort of doesn't identify the origin of the fentanyl crisis stemming from Mexico or Mexican cartels. It states, drug cartels, transnational criminal organisations and their facilitators are the primary sources of illicit drugs and precursor chemicals that fuel the current opioid epidemic, as well as drug-related violence that harms our communities. Biden issued the orders after the Texas governor repeatedly called on him to designate Mexican drug cartels as foreign terrorist organisations. Oh, I mean, it's grown. It, something about the Americans, they just get more and more crazy, don't they? They do, yeah. I mean, and, and it's like, I have said before, Jeffrey, the Americans eventually do the right thing after they've tried everything else. I think it was a quote from Churchill? Winston Churchill yeah. Yeah, yeah, in the Second World War. Um, yeah, it goes on to say, since Biden's been in office, well over 6 million foreign nationals have been apprehended or reported evading capture at the southern and northern borders, with both borders reporting record numbers of apprehensions and gateways, gotaways. Gotaways are foreign nationals who don't arrive at ports of entry, don't file asylum or immigration claims, and illegally enter the U.S., unintentionally uh, attempting to evade capture by law enforcement. How dare they intentionally evade being captured? <laughs> it's the gotaways that law enforcement officers have expressed most concern about, describing them as single-age, single military-age men, described as illegally entering the US between ports of entry, carrying fentanyl and other drugs in backpacks. And, and gotaways, what a great... Gotaways. <laughs> what a great I've got to get those gotaways. Yeah, gotaway. Get those gotaways, yep. Uh, several Democrats have claimed that 90% of fentanyl <laughs> being trafficked across the southern border is seized at ports of entry. Border patrol agents and state and, law and local law enforcement fentanyl seizures between ports of entry or several hundred miles from the border disproved this claim. In the southern border states of California, Arizona and Texas, law enforcement officers, officers in single operations nowhere near ports of entry or the border have seized uh, enough fentanyl, methamphetamine and other drugs to kill entire towns, regions and state populations. <laughs> I mean, don't they think how the Mexicans must feel? I mean, it's like America provides the cartels with weaponry and guns and, yep. you know, semi-automatics that creates a bloodbath. And, and the funding, Jeffrey, there's just so much money involved and they don't get it. You know, the youngsters don't seem to get it. If it wasn't so financially viable to run these operations, they wouldn't be doing it. So, you know, they thought they'd got it when they killed... Uh, what was his name? Oh, when they jailed, when they captured... The Guzman, El Guz Chapo. El Chapo. And all they did was allow his territory to be divided up between people who then started fighting each other over territory. But there's so much money invested yep. in maintaining the illegal system that... Why would why would anybody give it up? There's too many people who've used, got a piece of well, the, the action. The gotaways are actually often just the the people who are carry the couriers. Yeah, yeah? they're not the people who are organising no, it, making level, all the money out of it. Low level. So mules. what makes them think that they're going to make a change to the whole thing when they're flying people around the states, doctor shopping? Yeah. I mean, it's just even if you do stop people at the border in Mexico, they've still got planes full of peat junkies being flown around the United States going doctor shopping to get drugs that they want for themselves. I mean, it is... Uh, the other question I think of, Mary, silly. is 
don't they wonder why there's so much demand? Like it's American consumers wanting drugs yes. that is fueling. They don't. And, and why are the questions not being asked? Yes, you're quite right, Jeffrey. And America had a huge hand in setting up the modern um, drug war. And the, what, what was the basis of the Vietnam War? It was a political thing and they brought back so many drug-dependent soldiers who were then immediately shuffled into treatment centres and debriefed, which means detoxed. Yep. Um, but also a lot of people came out of those treatment centres just went onto the streets. Yeah. They dropped their troops after they'd recruited them, um, conscripted them largely because they sent conscripts over there, as did we, yep. and dropped them and left them on the street to... Mm. There was cheap, long and, cheap, and highly pure. Oh, it's just crazy, yes. I might play a song. This is uh, Dr. Dre from his album The Chronic and it's called uh, Ain't Nothing But A G Fang. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. To the folks, Snoop Doggy Dog and Dr. Dre is at the door. Ready to make an entrance, so back on up. Cause you know we're about to rip shit up. Give me the microphone first so I can bust like a bubble. Compton and Long Beach together, now you know you in trouble. Ain't nothing but a G thing, baby. Too low death, niggas so we're crazy. Death Row is the label that pays me. Unfatable, so please don't try to fake this. But uh, back to the lecture at hand. Perfection is perfected, so I'ma let them understand. From a young G's perspective And before me digging a bitch I have to find a contraceptive You never know she could be earning her man And learning her man And at the same time burning her man Now you know I ain't with that shit, Lieutenant Ain't no pussy good enough to get burned while I'm offended yeah. And that's realer than real deal, holy feel And now you hook up and hoes know how I feel Well if it's good enough to get broke off a proper chunk I take a small piece of some of that funky stuff It's like this and like that and like this and uh It's like that and like this and like that and uh It's like this and like that and like this and uh Drake creep to the mic like a fan Well I'm beeping and I'm creeping and I'm creeping But I damn near got count Cause my beeper kept beeping Now it's time for me to make my impression felt So sit back, relax and strap on your seatbelt you never been on a ride like this before With a producer who can rap and control the maestro At the same time with the dope rhyme that I kick You know and I know I flow some old funky shit To add to my collection This selection symbolizes dope Take a tote but don't choke If you do, you have no clue Of what me and my homie Snoop Dogg came to do It's like this and like that and like this and uh It's like that and like this and like that and uh It's like this and who gives a fuck about those So just chill to the next episode. What a hell of a gangster lean Getting funky on the mic like an old batch of collard greens It's the capital S-O-S impression Double O-P-D-O-Double-G-Y-D-O-Double-G You see? Showing much flex when it's time to wreck a mic Pimping hoes and clacking a grip like my name was Dolomite Yeah, and it don't quit I think they in the mood for some motherfucking G shit hey, yeah. So Drake What up, dog? Gotta give them what they want What's that, G? We gotta break them off something Hell yeah And it's gotta be pumping City of Compton Where's it? 
sixth place, so a national attention. Mobbing like a motherfucker, but I ain't lynching. Dropping the funky shit that's making a sucker niggas mumble. When I'm on the mic, it's like a cookie, they all crumble. Try to get close, say your ass I get smacked. My motherfucking homie, doggy dog, has got my back. Never let me slip, cause if I slip, then I'm slipping. But if I got my Nina, then you know I'm straight tripping. And I'ma continue to put the rap down, put the Mac down. And if your bitches talk shit, I have to put the smack down. Yeah, and you don't stop. I told you I'm just like a clock when I tick and I talk. But I'm never off, always on till the break of dawn. See you when PTO went in the city they call Long Beach. Putting the shit together like my nigga DOC. No one can do it better like this, that, and this, and uh, it's like that, and like this, and like that, and uh, it's like this. Then who gives a fuck about those? So just chill to the next episode. That was uh, Dr. Dre from his album The Chronic and uh, Nothing But A G Thing. It's uh, coming up about 18 minutes to noon. Uh, we're getting towards the end of this week's news from the drug war front from uh, Studio One, 2XX, 98.3 FM, People Powered Radio. I'd like to thank them for their support. Um, we're going to do another piece uh, from the US to close it out. I, I think it's sort of quite funny, to be honest, given their. You know, the fact that uh, marijuana is still um, registered Schedule 1, no medical benefit whatsoever, you know. Which uh, is rubbish, federally. as we know. Yeah, but it's illegal in a whole lot of states yep. and medical marijuana as well. This one is, uh, needing younger workers, federal officials have relaxed the rules on past drug use by Ernesto Londono, New York Times, April the 30th. As more states legalise marijuana and competition for talent grows fiercer, the US government is loosening guidelines from its just-say-no era. Not long ago, urinating in a cup for a drug test was a widely accepted, if annoying, requirement to start a new job. The legalisation of marijuana in more and more states in recent years upended that, prompting many employers to shelve hiring uh, rules from the just-say-no era. There was a major holdout the federal government, by far the nation's largest employer. But now it too is significantly relaxing drug screening rules as agencies struggle to re replenish the ranks of rapidly ageing workforce in a tight job market. During the past five years, the US military gave more than 3,400 new recruits who failed a drug test on their first day a, a grace period to try again, according to data obtained through Freedom of Information. Agencies like the CIA and the FBI have adopted more lenient rules regarding past use of marijuana amongst uh, candidates for jobs, um, officials have acknowledged. And later this year, the Biden administration is expected to take another major step, scaling back how deeply the government delves into the drug histories of people applying for a security clearance. Polls show that more than half of Americans have used um, marijuana recreationally or medicinally and that a majority believe it should just be legal. Medical cannabis use is legal in 38 states and the District of Columbia. Recreational marijuana is lawful in 22 states as well as the nation's capital, but still remains illegal under federal law. 
Quote, we don't want to be disqualifying half of our population, tens of millions of people, for having done something that most of our recent presidents have done, said Representative Jamie Raskin. Even if they didn't inhale. Didn't inhale, that's right, Clinton yeah. didn't inhale. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. And uh, he didn't have sex because uh, he didn't No, that's right. That's not, what, that's not sex. Yeah. Yeah. Um, said Jamie Raskin, a Maryland Democrat who has introduced legislation that would deem marijuana use immaterial in security clearance reviews required for many federal jobs. You're taking huge numbers of people off the field, he said. Mm. It goes on, once hired, federal employees remain barred from using drugs, including marijuana, even in states that have legalised it. This is the same in Australia, I might add. There are a lot of places where you have to do drug tests on a random basis, um, drug urine tests, which I think mm. are really quite humiliating. Oh, very humiliating. You know, it's just, it's atrocious. Anyway, even in the states that legalise it, and while there's broad support for more permissive hiring policies regarded, regarding past marijuana use, the shifting rules have critics. When General David H. Berger became the Commandant of the Marine Corps in 2019, he expressed concern about how prevalent drug use had become among Marines. Quote, I remain troubled by the extent to which drug abuse is a characteristic of new recruits and the fact that the vast majority of recruits require drug waivers for enlistment. Quote, end quote. He wrote in a report on the state of the Marine Corps. The Marines declined to provide specific data on drug waivers for enlistment. I watch NDIS all the time because, uh, even the repeats, Jeffrey, because it's really quite ludicrous the way they the way they target drugs and all drug users as addicts. Anyway, when General H. Berger became commandant, oh, no, no, I've done that, until recently admitting drug use was disqualifying for many roles. But even some of the government's most selective agencies have loosened their rules as part of the patchwork of policies that have gone largely unnoticed outside of the federal government. The CIA for instance, began telling applicants as of April 2022 that they needed to refrain from using marijuana for just 90 days before submitting an application, shortening its previous one-year eligibility requirement. In 2021, the FBI reduced its marijuana abstention requirement for those seeking employment to one year from three. In December 2021... Uh, Avril D. Haynes, the Director of National Intelligence, issued a memo stating that past recreational marijuana use ought to be regarded as, quote, relevant but, quote, not determinative in deciding a person's suitability for sensitive national security work. And late last year, at the urging of senior national security officials, the Office of Personnel Management put forward a proposed overhaul of the security clearance vetting process that would effectively stop regarding people who previously used marijuana as a security risk. Currently, people applying for a security clearance must disclose, disclose a detailed account of the use of illegal drugs during the past seven years. How are they, <laughs> how are they going to check that anyway if they hadn't been busted, Jeffrey? Uh, I mean, that's just absolutely. crazy. Yeah. Background checks to issue security clearances explore whether an applicant has been truthful about drug use. Well, yes, as I say, they have to be checking their, um, 
their arrest record, really. That's it. Maybe taking a piece of their hair and doing a... Ah, uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. These days they can do that, can't they? Yeah. Under the proposed new rules, the government would limit the time frame to five years for drugs other than marijuana and applicants would be asked to d- disclose marijuana use only during the 90 days before they sought the job. So it's not just saying we're not worried about marijuana yeah. anymore. It's like we will loosen it up a little bit. The recent arrest, this is what I was thinking, how does this impact the recent um, disclosure of classified documents by that 21-year-old? The recent arrest of a Massachusetts uh, Air National Guardsman accused of leaking classified documents has renewed the debate in Congress about how the government protects its secrets. But officials said that case had not affected the proposed overhaul of the security clearance screening process regarding drug use histories. A senior intelligence official involved in personnel policies said the government is struggling to recruit people in their 20s as the unemployment rate is amongst the lowest it's been in half a century. The official who declined to be quoted by name because the proposed changes in the government rules remain under review said it become clear that the intelligence community needed to adjust to a changing landscape as its employees grew older. The government competes for talent with the private sector, which often offers better salaries, more opportunities for remote work, and increasingly a laissez-faire approach to drug use that doesn't affect job performance. Well, that's the thing. If you can get a better-paying job in the private sector... And they're not going to check you for drugs. Well, why would you bother applying for a government job? I, 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 don't, I don't think you, you would bother. No. Um, look, I might, I might just skip a bit of this... Um, well, look, in 2022, look at that last bit on that page, yep. Jeffrey. the 2022, that part, 4,770 recruits failed their entry, their entry drug tests, nearly 33% increase from 2020, accounting for uh, to military data. Wow, that's a There's big, a picture after significant that. Significant percentage. It's just, I mean, it's interesting. The whole article is actually interesting. Yeah, sure, it, they do go on about it. But really, the government's yeah. focus on drug use in federal workforce began during the Vietnam War, which is not a surprise, amid concerns that heroin marijuana use had become endemic among service members. Pentagon Health Survey in 1980 showed that more than 27% of service members disclosed having used illegal drugs within the previous 30 days. In the years that followed, President Ronald Reagan escalated the war on drugs, saying had been launched in the Nixon that had been launched in the Nixon administration. Centerpiece was just say no campaign. Well, we knew about that from Nancy Reagan. Nancy Reagan's uh, contribution. Seven, the former first lady held a lace fan bearing the words "Just say no." The anti-drug campaign message. Which, you know, we saw too, Jeffrey, and we just, you know, was another way we'd go, oh, God. And, of course, so much harm. I mean, look at here. How, how it just said tough on drugs. And know? they don't realise how much, you know, it, the, the rollout impact of that is the just say no, that stupid one-liner mm. ceased any reasonable, conscionable debate yeah. about the whole issue, yeah? Just say no. Let alone well, harm reduction. No. That sounds like the Liberal Party for the last 10 years. When in doubt, no. just say no, yeah? yeah? yeah. Sorry, just got to had to get that kicker in. <laughs> but anyway, so banning drug use in the federal and uh, workforce was a key initiative. Quote, federal employees who use illegal drugs on or off duty tend to be less productive, less reliable and productive 
prone to greater absenteeism than their federal employees who do not use illegal drugs. Bull Any crap. evidence on that, man? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I wouldn't have thought so. I think that's the same. Ms Reagan oh, so, wrote yeah. as, uh, in a 1986 executive order. Mr Reagan, sorry. That's because the NC was the power behind it. Uh, in the 1986 executive order that formally prohibited federal workers from using drugs, private sector followed the, followed the government's lead. By 1990, nearly 46% of workplaces with more than 250 employees were drug-testing workers, up from just under 32% in 1988, according to a report by the Bureau of Labor Statistics and Australia followed suit around where we were drug testing and still are, I think, drug testing workers. One of the major problems, I think, was with the um, oil workers, the workers on oil platforms. Oh, okay. Because they used to have holidays, so part of that holiday would be actually, you know, getting stoned. Yeah. Uh, three decades on, the course has shifted. By 2021, only 16% of private sector employers were testing workers for narcotics or alcohol, and a federal report showed. I wonder if that's because of the digitisation, you know, that the... the Leaning towards the younger market and the yeah. new dot com sector, which has actually been stimulated by the teenagers, basically, and, and their twenties, people in their twenties who and are how billionaires. How many people can work at home too now? Yeah, you know, that and whole. they can't check them. Yeah, what happened during the pandemic? How do you check people when we've had two years of international, you know, pandemic where we couldn't check? And they're producing their work and doing a good job. Well, As, in fact, they probably they maybe worked better, maybe even better, yeah, yeah because yeah. they weren't stressing about their kids or, or yeah, 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 and didn't have to pay for childcare as well. Yeah, um, larger large employers that have uh, phased out drug testing include Apple and Amazon. No surprise, which in twenty twenty one said it made the decision based on national data showing that. Pre-employment marijuana testing disproportionately impacts people of colour and acts as a barrier to employment. Uh, in brackets, the New York Times stopped requiring drug tests as a condition for employment for many jobs more than five years ago. Excellent. Gary Hess, a former Marine officer from Louisiana, said that for most of his career, he felt drug use ought to be disqualifying for workers. His disdain for drug users was such that he fired a brother from a private sector job in 2010 for using canvas. Good for him. What an idiot. But a few years later, struggling with service-related chronic pain and post-traumatic stress disorder, Mr Hess said he turned to medical canvas as a, quote, last resort. But I bet it worked. Quote, for me, it became a performance enhancer, said Mr Hess, who founded the Veterans Alliance for Holistic Alternative, which provides veterans with information about treatments including cannabis and psychedelics. Excellent. Mr Hess said discussions about drug use in the national security field continue to overstate the dangers and overlook the therapeutic potential of some of these substances. Quote, they could achieve an incredible amount of resiliency in their workforce if they educated their communities about medical cannabis, That's he said. That's a really important point. I think so. And in fact, out of the whole article, that's the most important one, yeah? How much... A guy who was so anti-drugs... Seen the light, yeah. Saw the light. Why? Because he had to use it for himself and it worked for him. How many great treatments have, have we lost because of the ban and... War on drugs and research. Absolutely, and, and how many people have suffered for, what, 50 years, 60 years because of this bloody United Nations? It's... 
how this uh, war on drugs. It's just it's, crazy. It's not it's, United Nations. Yeah. Sorry, it's an American war on drugs. But, you know, we picked it up and ran with it too. It's just caused so much damage and, and harm. In a lot of ways, Jeffrey, don't you think maybe it was all about drugs can't fight back? You know, it wasn't. It was a war on drug users, but yeah. it was a war on drugs. That was what he said, was a war on drugs. Drugs can't say, I don't hurt you, you do it to yourself. So they don't say anything. It's actually the individuals. We ended up suffering for it. Yep. But the drugs themselves could not fight back because no. they are inert substances. In, in they need humans office. to consume them. Yeah, that's a good so point. So really the discussion is about, you know, you as a person, What what is your capacity for personal agency? Indeed. All right, that's it for another show. Hope everyone looks wow. after themselves. Um, we'll leave you with a bit of golden brown. And Just for it. Okay. Lovely to have you back, darling. See you next week. Love you all. Take care, everyone. Bye. Texture like sun Lays me down With my mind she runs Throughout the night No need to fight Never a frown With golden brown Every time Just like the last On her ship Tied to the mast Two distant lands Takes both my hands Never a frown with golden brown Golden brown, fine attemptress She's heading west From far away Stays for a day Never a frown With a golden brown